0: Coming up on Shop
1: Talk. What these numbers are telling us is almost 200% increase in takeout orders. This means that customers are getting out more mm-hmm. and they will stop at their favorite restaurant to pick up their takeout orders to save a few bucks. Mm-hmm.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Al Grego.
2: And I'm Sean McCormick.
0: And this is the February 2023 edition of Shop Talk with Moneris. Welcome to the Shop Talk podcast, Sean.
2: Thanks, Al. Good to be hanging out.
0: So, Sean, normally you're the the behind-the-numbers guy coming on every month to share consumer spending data. That is correct. So you may be wondering why I asked you to co-host this month.
2: Um, It did cross my mind, Al.
0: Well, a couple of months ago, we enjoyed one of the world's largest sporting events.
2: Are you referring to the World Cup?
0: That's right. And this month, one of North America's largest sporting events takes place. Ah,
2: yes. The quote-unquote big game.
0: That's right. We don't have the kind of budget to actually say it by name.
2: I'm certainly a fan of both, my friend. Uh, Is that what you have me on for this month?
0: Well, not exactly. It may or may not be a surprise to our listeners uh, that you had a previous career in sports. I
2: did. Spent a significant part of my life
0: invested in that. And what was that career?
2: Uh, I was a uh, I was an anchor on Rogers Sportsnet.
0: Oh, so who better to talk about the effect of these big sporting events on spending than our resident expert on both? Yes, you're connecting the dots there. Al. <laughs> I have so many questions.
2: Uh, are they spending related
0: questions? We'll get to that. But what's the biggest sporting event you got to cover?
2: Um, there were a lot of really fun ones. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my last ones was the biggest one that was 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver.
0: That certainly is big. What was that like?
2: It was spectacular. Um, I spent uh, maybe five or six years out in Vancouver as part of my broadcasting career, made a lot of uh, great friends and covered some great events out there. So when the 2010 Olympics got around, I had an opportunity to go back out to Vancouver for a full month. Mm. And uh, what a great bookend to, uh, to my career. And the very last event that I covered was Canada's gold medal men's hockey victory over the uh, over the, the US. It was spectacular. The golden goal. The golden goal. So crazy. Tears were flowing. There was literally not a dry eye in the house. Wow. It was it was amazing.
0: Unbelievable.
2: But we're not talking about the Olympics right now, correct? We're not? Uh no.
0: Oh, Right. The World Cup and the big game. Who do you have lined up this month, Al? Well, in a second, I'm going to get you to take off your co-host hat and put on your by the numbers hat to talk about spending during the World Cup. Sounds good. And then I'll speak with Rene Pierre Pleurd from UE to talk about the upcoming big game and what restaurants and bars can expect from that weekend.
2: Big game and a big day for the restos.
0: That's right. And finally, I'll talk to Patrick Wilshire, who's going to come on to share some tips on setting up tipping on payment terminals.
2: Al, this is a star-studded lineup.
0: <laughs> Thank you. And speaking of tips...
2: Uh, okay, here we go.
0: Uh, who do you have in the big game, Casey or Philly?
2: Wow. Uh, Philly looked really good in their two playoff games, but they were against the Giants, who are not an awesome team, and the Niners who had no quarterback. So we need to take, uh, we need to handicap that a little bit, I think. Hard to hard to bet against KC. Patrick Mahomes looked like an absolute stud yeah. uh, leading his team to victory on one leg. That was impressive.
0: Uh, I feel like I've just been watching a, an episode of Sportsnet.
2: <laughs> Roll the interviews. By the
1: numbers...
0: All right, sean so let's talk world cup so our numbers show that uh, for all of canada bar and restaurant spend was up over 10 percent. how did that look though regionally
2: it was really interesting to dig in regionally al mm-hmm. um so what we look at in when we analyze data is we look at one of the measures the really primary measures is year over year volume so that's right. looking at the very same day one year ago sure and what we saw is in Eastern Canada, mm. we saw huge increases, like Ontario was 47%, right. uh, plus 47% year-over-year. Atlantic Canada, plus 53% year-over-year. Year. Yeah. But as you work your way west, the year-over-year year increases declined steadily to the point where in BC, year-over-year year spending volume in bars on the day of the World Cup final was minus 17%.
0: Wow. So So, that seems counterintuitive.
2: (laughs) It does. There's an assumption and and it's very real. It's not even an assumption. It's very real. Soccer is hugely popular on the West coast around Vancouver, the lower mainland kids are playing soccer year round. I mean, they're playing year round across the country, but it's, it's a real, it's a real epicenter of, of, uh, of soccer passion on the West coast. Mm. But the game started like kickoff was at 7. AM local time. Right. So you've, and now listen, sometimes municipal governments will expand the, you know, the the hours that they're able to serve alcohol on, mm-hmm. on you know when it comes to World Cup and some of these other major global events. However, 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. how motivated are you going to be to get showered brush the teeth, crush a coffee jump in the car meet your buddies at a bar at seven o'clock in the morning you might as well just invite your buddies over to your house right or don't invite anybody at all it's really really early yeah um just watching your pajamas coffee and a (laughs) baileys and and watch watch the game on your own 7 a.m whereas if you look at eastern canada like atlantic canada i mean newfoundland 7 a.m. in Vancouver is 1130 a.m. Almost lunchtime. Sorry, 1230 p.m. So it was really interesting. It's literally every province as you worked your way east. Right. You had an increase in year over year, the year over year uh, uh, measure.
0: Well, as the joke goes, it's noon somewhere. Right. Except when you're on the when you're on the West Coast and it's seven o'clock in the morning. Right. (laughs) Uh, That's great. And yeah, it it makes total sense because as you see uh, the numbers, they they increase as you go further east. So it makes complete sense. Now, in four years, we're looking at sharing, you know, having the World Cup here in North America. So we shouldn't have that problem.
2: Right. Well, we've got 10 group stage matches mm. in Canada, which is awesome. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Um, Toronto and Vancouver are the two cities are going to, that are going to be hosting those games. Right. Um, so we expect to see spending increases for restaurants as well as the tourism industry as a whole, similar to the F1 Canadian right. Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, do keep in mind that these games are going to be played in cities that generally don't have a problem attracting tourism to begin with Toronto right. and, and Vancouver. However, there are going to be tourists coming to town. Mm-hmm. Question is how many are going to be coming to town to go to the games? Right. Um, BMO uh, stadium in Toronto holds it in, in, in and around 40,000 fans. They're going to be expanding in a little bit, mm-hmm. but let's say half of those fans, which I think is very conservative. Half of those fans will be local. So that only leaves about 20,000 tickets per game that sure. are going to be available To tourists, be it domestic or foreign. So it'll be interesting to see what that event impact is going to be. I tend to think it might not be as obvious or prevalent as, sure. as some people believe it to be. And it's, you know, it's definitely a hot button topic when you talk about what it's costing to bring right. these games to Canada. Yeah. However, uh, Maneras' data from sporting events throughout the year shows that fans and, and businesses, you know, really get behind sporting events. Mm-hmm. So we got 10 group stage matches um, that are going to be played in Canada and it should be lots of fun. So
0: it'll be interesting to see what the spike is for the tourism, but I bet you this, sp- spike spike for at least bars and restaurants will probably be pretty significant
2: right because you've got locals that are just going to be out in the bars and restaurants you know going and and being a part of it just Mm -hmm. celebrating a reason to get together with uh with friends and you know the soccer community as a whole very passionate sporting community oh yeah and i fully expect that they're going to be getting behind it so will the spend as a whole be up substantially very likely yeah will the tourism spend be up because of it? Can we directly attribute it? That'll remain to be seen. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll reserve judgment on that one.
0: Yeah, we have four years to see that one happen. Right. All right. Thank you so much, Sean. Featured interview. I'm joined by Rene Pierre Pleurd. He's the head of UEAT University at UET. Rene, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Alan, it's great to be back.
0: So, uh, you Eat has a unique ordering ecosystem for restaurants and bars. Um, this month, there's a couple of, uh, you know, pretty big dates coming up for restaurants and bars. Uh, you know, the big games coming up. What can restaurant and bar owners look forward to this month?
1: So just taking a look at uh, last year so we just compare from 2021 to 2022 uh, a few statistics from uh, or from customers ordering food online while well, we saw for the big game specifically we saw a 21% increase for takeout orders mm. and no difference for delivery orders. So already, okay, that tells us something. Mm -hmm. But there's also another event happening in February, which is Valentine's Day. And as we know, uh, Valentine's Day is huge for many restaurateurs. And the data from Valentine's Day are something else. So Mm -hmm. just to compare, again, uh, year over year, for Valentine's Day, we saw a 199% increase in takeout orders. Wow! So almost 200% increase in takeout orders and 83% increase in delivery orders. Right. But, you know, in the last three years, the main focus for many restaurants was on delivery. Mm-hmm. And it's not a secret that providing delivery with third-party delivery apps can be pricey right. if you're paying up to 35% commission per order. Mm-hmm. So what these numbers are telling us is almost 200% increase in takeout orders. So this means that customers are getting out more. Mm -hmm. And for the big game, they will drive up to the city to pick groceries. For Valentine's Day, they will drive up to grab some flowers, a good bottle of wine, Mm -hmm. and they will stop at their favorite restaurant to pick up their takeout orders because they want to save money as well. Right. And they're willing now to drive up to the restaurant, grab their order to save a few bucks.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, 200 percent increase last year, year over year uh, is is significant, uh, but it was also still amongst some uh, restrictions this year. Fewer restrictions. Do you see a lot more in-house dining?
1: Great question. So mm-hmm. just taking a look at last summer, we saw a huge difference already. You know, customers, they feel uh, more comfortable there uh, for the past three years. They've been stuck at home. Yeah. They want to get out more. So mm-hmm. absolutely. We already saw that last summer. And we believe that for Valentine's Day, and for the big game, it will be the same.
0: Mm -hmm. So in preparation for the uh, the increased business for those specific days, uh, do you have any tips for the restaurants or bar industry?
1: Absolutely. Um, So what does that mean for restaurants? Just Mm -hmm. going back to the increase in takeout orders, restaurants should already put a focus on inviting guests to order through their own online ordering system, Mm -hmm. not a third party delivery app, their own platform. Because on your own platform, you get access to the holy grail, which is the customer data. And with customer data, you can send tailored promotions a couple of days before the big game, a couple of days before Valentine's Day, Hmm. or maybe an email, on the day of the event, because you never know who's gonna be last minute, right? Right. (laughs) You never know. You're looking at me a
0: little uh, when you say that, I see that.
1: (laughs) Sorry about that, Matt, sorry. (laughs) But I'm guilty of that, by the way. But it's still having separate promotions for takeout and delivery is also a great tip because you can have a more aggressive promotion for takeout knowing that your customers are now ordering takeout more than ever. Mm -hmm. And since you're not paying a pricey commission for delivery, well, you can have a perfect promotion to entice your customers to order from your platform and drive up to your restaurant, pick up their order and have a great customer experience doing so. Uh,
0: that's a great tip. So do you see any other trends that, that might be surprising for restaurateurs for this uh, month?
1: Trends. Uh, well, if I may share, maybe one trend that did surprise me quite a bit, especially for uh, the big game, mm. is we saw a great increase and great increase, I mean, between 20 and 40% increase for sushi Mm. Fast food and tartare. Really? And what this tells us is previously when you're thinking of the big game, mm-hmm. you're already thinking of pizza, chicken wings. Right. But now what this tells us is restaurants shouldn't stop themselves from promoting their food for the big game and mm-hmm. for the for Valentine's Day, because now customers are ordering outside the traditional menu items right. some may want to treat themselves for a great sushi while watching the game yeah so a great tip would be don't hold back on promoting because you have this preconceived idea that customers are only going to be ordering pizza right. and chicken wings mm-hmm. for the big game
0: well i love me some chicken wings but i'll crush some sushi during a football game for sure now if a restaurant wants to know more about you eats ordering system where could they look
1: the best place is on our website, mm-hmm. ueat.io. So, four letters, U E A T, or just simply Google will give you all the information about our amazing ordering ecosystem.
0: Okay. And the most important question I have to ask you Casey, you're Philly. Philly. Wow. Not even hesitating on that one, are you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I hope it comes true. Thank you so much, RP, for your time today.
1: Alan, that was great. Thank you so much. At Moneris, we empower merchants to keep doing business their way, while we handle the payment processing our way. What way would that be? The safe way. The always connected way. The awesome integrated tools to help you make more money way. We know your business never stops, so you deserve products that never stop working. That's why we're committed to providing our merchants with a payment partner that works just as hard as they do to make every sale. Moneris, proud partner of small Canadian business. Ask an an expert. expert
0: joined by Patrick Wilshire. He's the director of core payments at Moneris. Patrick, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Al. So today we're talking about tipping. Uh, You know, I think back to when I was like working at a grocery store as a teenager and I would help like uh, this one lady out with her groceries. She would always tip me with homemade cannolis. And that was like my favorite uh, (laughs) day. (laughs) I knew I was going to get a cannoli as a tip. Uh, You know, tipping is always like an interesting topic to talk about. Like when do you tip? uh, When should you tip? When shouldn't you tip? But we don't always think about what happens on the merchant side so you're here to to tell us a bit about how merchants should set up tipping you have some quote-unquote tips for us on tipping
3: yeah i do um so we all know that tipping is a critical component to the way many businesses operate and moneros is definitely here to support our merchants and provide insights required to ensure businesses have the right strategy when it comes to setting up their tips Mm -hmm. for example if we look at restaurants you know many restaurants have a dine-in service as well as a takeout service so if we look at the dine-in service we typically see options ranging between 18 and 25%, which makes sense as customers are being served with a smile and refreshments are coming out. Mm-hmm. Now, if we apply that same tip range to the takeout service, customers may end up being reluctant to tip at all. So it's, it's very important to, you know, take that into consideration as you're setting up your tip strategy as a business.
0: Okay. So you've got four tips here on setting up tipping. Uh, what, what, what's your first tip?
3: So the first tip is, you know, tipping can be toggled on or off from your device settings. So you don't have to worry about anything else. It's really a set it and forget it process. And mm-hmm. the device will automatically add or remove remove the necessary items from the checkout flow, as well as the receipt. That's great. What do you have next? Uh, The second tip on tipping is when setting up tipping uh, devices will allow you to present the following options. So you can tip by dollar where the customer will fill out the amount of their choice that they want to tip. You can set up tip by percentage where a customer will fill in a percentage of their choice. You can set a, uh, a tip preset type where the administration gets to input three presets, either dollar amount or percentage. This is especially useful in industries where tipping might not be, um, you know, as commonplace and a customer might not know that, uh, you know, there is an appropriate tipping range. Okay. So here's a a fun fact for businesses Um, by human nature. Most people actually gravitate to the middle option. So um, very important to to keep that in mind when you're setting up your tips.
0: Uh, I see no option here for tipping cannolis. So we need to add that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll I'll take that in. We'll have it evaluated and uh, see if we can deliver that for you. I like cannolis too. So yes. What's your next piece of advice? So my next piece of advice is you know. Customers want nothing more than to experience a frictionless checkout, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is why on Go uh, and our Go devices, we have the option of toggling on tip warnings, right? So this will protect consumers from unpleasant errors, such as entering a tip percentage that's larger than the purchase amount. So what do, what do you mean by that? For yeah. example, if, you know, uh, somebody enters in 100% when they mm-hmm. really meant to put in 10%. right. Right. So like situations like that, they receive a a warning, uh, basically telling them, hey, you know, are you sure you want to tip this amount? That's a good fail safe. And what's your final uh, tip? So the final tip on tipping is, uh, you know, the clerks or the waiters or waitresses, they can use the transaction report on a device to generate a tip totals report. Mm-hmm. And that will essentially let them know how much tips that they've they've collected through credit or debit payments on a device. So very useful for uh, the end of days or the end of shift uh, to generate those reports to you know, make sure that you capture the tips that were given to you by wonderful customers.
0: Uh, that's some great advice. So if I'm a merchant, where would I go for more
3: information? So you can go to Moneris.com mm-hmm. uh, on monaris.com We have a support section, can simply type in the word tip and we will bring out all the information or display all of the information required to set up your device for tipping. And it's important again to uh, recognize that tipping is set at the device level. So mm-hmm. it's important to set all of your devices accordingly.
0: Oh, it's interesting. So if you have like three or four different devices, the, the setup needs to be done for each device individually.
3: Yeah. And that is to accommodate the scenario uh, that I spoke about before, right? Where a restaurant could have a dine in section as well. As a takeout session. Right section, uh, you'd want to you'd want to set different tip ranges in in both of those sections. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, Patrick. Always a pleasure. Al. Thank you.
1: Save the day.
0: I'm joined by Matt Rovette, He's the event producer at Moneris. Matt, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Al. So we're looking at the February calendar. What do you have for us this month?
4: Yeah, so the Second Harvest Hero Sweepstakes presented by Moneris is back. With each ticket purchased starting at $10, you'll have a chance to win one of 20 incredible prizes collectively valued over $40,000. Wow. Even better. All proceeds will go directly towards Second Harvest's food rescue and distribution efforts, providing nutritious meals to Canadians facing food insecurity and reducing the environmental impact of food waste. Everyone is a winner with the Second Harvest Hero Sweepstakes.
0: Sounds amazing. So uh, when can we buy the tickets? Tickets
4: are on sale from February 6th to March 17th, but get yours before February 17th for a chance to win an extra prize in our early bird draw.
0: Gotcha. And and where can we learn more? Yeah, You can head to
4: www.secondharvestsweeps.ca to purchase your ticket now.
0: So as the event producer, you're responsible for... For producing all the webinars and i hear there's a couple coming up this month
4: yeah we have two in february on february 9th you can join rob wilkinson vice president of b2b at Moneris, and joseph migliacci head of large middle market sales at visa canada for our webinar strategies for savings through b2b payments where they will discuss how to optimize your b2b payments and on february 23rd we have another webinar with you eat a restaurateurs' peak time playbook join rp head of UE University, and Nicola, product manager at Moneris, as they discuss trends and best practices for restaurants.
0: Uh, we just heard from RP in this episode. Where can we uh, register for these events?
4: Yeah, so we've listed registration links in the description of this podcast. So if you're interested, make sure you check it out and register today.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Matt, for your time. Thank you, Al. that's all we have for this month. I hope you found this episode informative. If you haven't already, check out Mineris' other award-winning podcast, Yes, We Are Open. In that podcast, I travel the country telling the stories of small Canadian businesses, their origins, struggles, and future outlook. If you like motivational stories of perseverance and triumph over adversity, you'll love Yes, We Are Open. Here's a little taste. I have a question for you. What do the following businesses have in common? A cannabis store, an athletic wear brand, Dog biscuits, a tech startup, a travel agency, hairdressers, a kid's dentist, and a manufacturer of silent boots. Of course, the answer is they all have stories of struggle and perseverance to tell. And you can listen to them now on season three of the Yes, We Are Open podcast. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast. Yes, we are open wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And if you'd like to support this show, share this podcast with your network or review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And finally, if you have a payment related question you'd like to submit to one of our experts, you can email us at, at Moneris.com.
2: And join us again next month for more expert insight and data. We do love data <laughs>
0: to help you grow your business. Thank you so much for co hosting, Sean.
2: Anytime, my friend.
0: On behalf of Sean, myself, and the rest of Moneris, thank you for listening to Shop Talk. Talk again in March.